everybody, and welcome to our third season of Plain Rainbows, Stories of LGBTQ Amish and Anabaptists. Today, I am your host, Mary Byler. I was born into an Ape Troyer Amish church, and I was raised in four other Old Order Amish communities. I am joined by my host, James Swartz, and Anthony. And Anthony is going to talk a little bit about what it's like to be queer and joined into an Anabaptist church. So with that being said, would you like to say hello, James? Hello, everyone. Um, I have some background noise going on today. Um, people are doing karaoke, so it is what it is. But I'm here with you all. Welcome, Anthony. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for the warm welcome. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I, uh, I'm gay, of course, you can't really see, but here's my pride tag and my pride shirt. I bought both of these for the uh, first pride here in Syracuse, New York, where I live. And so Mary asked me to talk about like what it is being uh, forced into a community versus being born into it. Well, I'm the oldest of six children when I was growing up. Now there are 10 of us. Um, being the oldest, a lot of responsibility fell on me that was undue. Um, just a lot of, oh, you're, you can't be like your younger siblings and you know, you're rebellious, you're sinful. Um, my dad, when I was really young, he was out of my life, uh, worked all the time and just, I didn't see him. I was raised in my younger years, just Sunday Christian, you know, put on your best to go to church, normal technology, everything's good, smile, oh yeah, dad works, have one sister, everything's great. Well, about the time I was 12, my dad had what he calls a real spiritual experience, and he um, started wanting to live more separatist. Uh, the TV went out the window, I think quite literally, and uh, he was to be the head of the house. Um, I was not to have a girlfriend. Um, we were to have Bible studies all the time, read the scripture, you know. His wife was to submit. And then the subject of head coverings came up, which is a very big topic in the Anabaptist churches. Well, around the time I was 12, we were um, on the way home from Bible study one time. And my dad told me... Uh, what not to look at on the internet, um, what not to do while looking at the stuff on the internet, and uh, how, and then not to do it at the end, and he thought because he was my dad, I would automatically listen to him. Well, what do you think I did as soon as I got home? I did everything he told me not to do, and I... I, <laughs> it just feels like you might have had, do you, were you ever accused of having a rebellious spirit? Yes, I was all the time. Oh my. Well, you're in good company though. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, yeah. Um, and then I just, um, I don't even think it was erotic, the picture I saw. Two guys, um, you know, hugging each other and embracing. And I'm like, that's why I'm different. That's why I like more feminine stuff. And, you know, that's why I can't really talk to any of the guys. I'm gay. But I dare not tell my dad that because he'll end my life. Well, fast forward about another year or two, and we went out to Lancaster County, and we visited a couple of the charity weekend meetings. Um, charity was a group that was born out of a conservative Baptist guy and a conservative Amish guy. They got together based on what they 
liked about each other but didn't like about their backgrounds and they didn't want to be Mennonite about anything. Yes, Mary. Would you say that it was like as if a Baptist and an older Amish person got married? Like yeah. an IFB? Imagine yeah. that. Have you seen some of the th things that IFB pastors preach about yes. and how they do it? Yes. And that sounds like a marriage made in heaven. Oh, uh, I mean a spiritual partnership. My bad. Um, <laughs> continue. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, I was raised a little bit in the IFB uh, churches as well. But um, it, my, my parents, they just started kind of going through churches. And then when we found charity, it was um, it, it was a match made in heaven for my dad. You know, he could be the head of his household. My mom could submit to him. He could have a large family, own his own business, and everything would be golden. Well, for me, being the oldest son, not working with his hands, not having a relationship with his dad, um, it was just a lot of things changed. And, uh, you know, the discipline went through the ceiling, uh, spanked constantly. My parents just hit me constantly. And uh, then my and then that was when I was 14. And then when I was 15, we made the move. We we were living in New Jersey at the time, where I'm from, around all the family members. Everything was great. You know, my dad and uncle were getting close. And then all of a sudden, my dad just uproots the entire family, moves us out to central Pennsylvania. And I thought, oh, this is great. You know, things are a little tougher now. Um, but, you know, I'll be around all of my great friends and everything will be fine. You know, if I do what they tell me to do exactly the way they tell me to do it, everything will be fine. Well, it, it seemed like they set the bar up here. And no matter what I do, I always ended up down here. And, um, you know, I, I started running away from home for a couple of days at a time. I started staying with a few other family members. Um, in the church, and my dad was always very, very good at saying what he needed to in front of everyone to look really good, but behind closed doors, doors would go slamming, things would go flying, the physical abuse was just us kids getting hit over the head um, with things. I remember uh, my dad used to beat us with a uh, paddle that was made out of a piece of hardwood flooring, and it was the constant thing he would just say was, I know you're up to something. You have a rebellious spirit. If you just acted like the other guys at church, everything would be fine. And I would, and then my mom wore a wedding ring before she joined the Amish and Mennonite setting. Um, our, our church had a lot of, um, the two pastors were Beachy Amish and uh, Old Order Lancaster Amish. So there was a lot of that influence and their wives were incredible. It, it was like you're sitting across from an empty chair during a church meeting. They just did whatever their husband wanted. And my mom was not like that. You know, she wore her wedding ring. She's Hispanic background. Uh, try silencing them. You might as well try to contain a hurricane. Um, and I, I, would, <laughs> I would hear them um, arguing at night. Um, about, Jen, you need to take your wedding ring off. You have your head covering now. I'm your husband. I'm proof that you're married. And then things just got worse and worse and worse. Um, I, Like I said, I started running away from home. And then my dad, he sent me away a couple times. Uh, it was just... And then also, there was another cult that got involved with the charity church called the Church of Wells. 
and uh, they were, um, Mary was talking about IFB. It was throw everything cultic and everything bad IFB and then add charity on top of it. And they started kind of dictating the way things were at the church. It got really bad from about 2010 to 2011. And then in 2011, the church split, which uh, they couldn't agree on some of the girls wearing heels and some of the girls wearing nail polish. You know. Sounds like a legit reason to split up a church. It really sounds yeah. like very serious here. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I, I, I want to ask a little bit about like you were talking. If it's okay, you were mm -hmm. talking about being, um, being physically abused, horribly physically abused, and witnessing domestic violence because that's what mm -hmm. that is as a child and and your part of it was a result of joining a church did, yeah. did i did i make that connection correctly you did okay and so then like how was your sense of belonging while you were in the church outside of your home like did you have a sense of belonging and connection with other people in the church like <sighs> Uh, not not the right one, you know, um, I don't know how it is in the Old Order Amish, but the guys are only supposed to talk to the guys, and the girls stay on the other side of the church, and yeah, I, I just always found it easier to talk to the moms and the girls, because the boys were all big and muscle-bound, and drove the big trucks and tractors, and you know, didn't like the same things I liked, so that, that made me feel really distant. I can imagine how alienating that must have been. Yeah. Oh, and then the other key thing is I was born with cerebral palsy. It's a condition that affects the way I walk as well as my coordination and motor skills. And my dad, he took care of that. Well, my mom and my grandmother mostly took care of that in my younger years because my dad was absent. As soon as we joined the uh, plain settings, the charity churches, any acknowledgement of that went out the window, except for me getting uh, spanked and hit over the head when I wasn't walking the right way that my dad thought I should. Oh, so now we can just beat medical conditions out of children. I Was that the mentality? Yeah. Yes, and don't acknowledge it, it won't be there. Yeah, well, just because you don't acknowledge that somebody has a medical condition doesn't mean that medical condition doesn't exist. And you mm -hmm. can't just beat it out of the person. Yeah. I mean, right, James? Like, did <clears throat> did you know that James is also disabled? Yeah, I have a no, physical disability with my hand and my arm. And, uh, like, I, I was uh, physically abused by my father and by my brothers uh, at a very early age, constantly. And it was completely normal to what my ass. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I remember one time I was uh, disciplining my siblings because being the oldest kid, I got beat way more than I should have. And I... Um, I smacked one of my younger brothers because he was just, my younger brothers knew how to behave when my dad was watching, but it was like terror on earth when my parents turned their heads. You know, um, one time they, I left them alone for five minutes and they ended up peeing on each other inside the closet. Oh my God. 
Um, and you know, they, they ripped apart the entire room and made it look like a tornado hit. Well, I think about a month or two later, I smacked one of them and my dad comes running in with the paddle screaming at me, whacks me in a few different places on my body. I don't even remember what I said. And then he dropped my pants and whipped my ass pretty mercilessly. Well, here's the thing though, is like, you know, we are trained and we are taught and we are conditioned inside of those cultural settings that to love your siblings is to discipline them. And then typically they put like older children in charge of the younger children. And again, there's this mentality of like to love your siblings is to hit them. But then why retaliate against a child that mm -hmm. does exactly what you taught them to do? It mm -hmm. doesn't make it right. Yeah. But I mean, it's still just another incident of violence being perpetuated by cultural tr teachings. Yeah, that's so, kind of so, what so, I see so, it. As. So my father's big thing was taking my ear and yanking as hard as he could and oh. not letting go. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. that was his thing. Yeah, more so more so than spankings or beatings, really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my, my dad was uh, flicking me in the back of the head or hitting me in the back of the head. Um, Mary and James, if we ever meet in person, don't come up behind me and put your hand on my shoulder. I will jump or punch just out of reflex. I'm going to tell you this. If you come up behind me and touch me from behind in any way, shape, or form, mm -hmm. you are literally you are being put on notice that there is a high possibility that I might physically assault you. Yeah, and you don't even mean to do it. It's just a nope. knee-jerk reaction. It's an okay. involuntary reaction because of the amount of physical abuse that many people have survived. Mm -hmm. So it's typically best practice. Don't go up behind people and touch them. Just, yeah. you know, kind of like uh -huh. refrain from it. It can be very helpful. Yeah. Uh -huh. Furthermore, like, I'd, yeah. I'd like to go back into, like, where you were talking about um, having like the wrong kind of connections, what does that mean? Like, were, would you ever have been able to achieve the right status from, you know, being disabled, being queer, or being joined in? Like, do, did it, any of those three things like really affect your status in the community? It did, um, especially after I left home at 19. Um, no, I, I was, yeah, I. I was about to turn 20 when I moved to Lancaster and after about a year of attending a couple of the split churches, the ones that barely had anyone left, I joined this church called Harmony Christian Fellowship. They said, oh, well, nothing worked with the rest of the charity churches. Let's borrow things from the Eastern and the Pilgrim Mennonites. And they are two of the most conservative branches in Pennsylvania that I know of. Um, but that church, it was all, you know, guys mostly wore, um, like solid colors and everything. And when I joined that church, um, it was all about the relationship you had with your dad. And, you know, everybody that was 20 or 21, they got married and they kept telling me, um, you know, it was a status symbol. Look at my beautiful girlfriend or look at my beautiful wife. And when I was in that setting, I was there for about two or three years. Um, I could never obtain any right status and, you know, I would, I would pray um, at night. I would be on my knees crying my eyes out to the God of the uh, Mennonite and Amish world. And, you know, I would do everything that they would tell me to do. 
and they'd be like, oh, we didn't mean do it like that. We meant do it like this. Okay, what does this mean? Well, do it like you're kind of doing it, but do it a little different. And then I was promised the world and would never obtain it, you know. So there were moving goalposts for you. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. So what do you do today, like, life um, after all of that how do you find okay. like joy or any form of meaning in your life after all of that um well i i uh, i like writing and i'm i'm still very much in the bible and uh, um like i i'm still very big into church but i attend the episcopal church which is a church very big on social justice uh pro-choice here uh, i can't align myself with any form of pro-life that would make my parents roll over in their graves. Um, I, I'm very big into music, uh, singing. I do play the keyboard a little bit. Um, and uh, yeah, um, just, uh, you know, and then I, I've learned to use the block button on Facebook, just cutting out people <laughs> that were part of my past. But um, one of the things I do with the scripture is uh, I, I identify as a progressive um, believer meaning that your faith has to change as the times change. And I like asking the questions about the scripture that um, people don't like answering. Like, what if um, what if the Bible really isn't anti-LGBTQ? Or I wrote a 65-page uh, paper on 1 Corinthians 11, the passage where they get the head covering from. And let me just say, after six months of research, it's not what people think it is. And, uh, you know, I, I do have a lovely boyfriend, even though he does get on my nerves a little bit sometimes. And <laughs> the, uh, the, the turning point for me was really watching Sins of the Amish, because um, uh, it was the documentary that you helped out with, Mary, as well as some of our other friends. Um, I, I like watching a lot of true crime stuff um, on Peacock. And it's just, there's something satisfying about seeing, like, a sense of justice accomplished for people that have been wronged and done wrong, because that just, uh, you know, my parents should have went to jail at least two or three times for some of the physical and mental abuse. Well, I was watching it, and then a, um, a preview of it came up, and one of our mutual friends who I knew, um, I knew her family before this, and uh, I'm like, wait this can't be an idyllic, you know, the Amish are great, they're grand, if it has that in it. So I watched it, and that was how I got in contact with you as well as um, Misty Griffin. She's another friend of mine. She's doing a petition for child abuse. Um, and uh, I watched it, and I'm like, wow, I'm not alone. And a lot of the things that I endured, they're not normal. So um, it's just I've been writing, you know, talking to people, just trying to broaden my horizons. I'm a uh, cashier at Home Depot, and I think that would uh, make some people um, that I grew up around roll over in their graves because uh, orange was too bright and too flashy, and that was a big no-no. Bright colors were no. Wow. That that sounds like a really big journey all condensed yeah. into like, you know, 20 minutes. Like, yeah. Ooh. Mm -hmm. That's thank you so much for sharing all of that. Like that's a yeah. 
that's a huge, huge journey. And, mm -hmm. and I think too, like one of the things that we try to do on this show is we try to also talk about coping skills or how do we navigate life in a meaningful way after all of that? And then one of the big things that we do at the very end of this show is we talk about if you could talk to somebody that is in any of those various positions that you were as a child and in previous churches, um, yeah. what would you say to them? I would say, well, as far as coping skills, um, listening to music, I listened to the song called Boys in the Street by Callum Scott. Um, Callum is a uh, English um, singer who's also gay, and he wrestled with his sexuality big time. And I sent it to my dad, hoping for a different result, and there wasn't one. Um, I just, uh, it was him rewriting everything I basically taught, making him look blameless. But yeah, music, um, there's a whole playlist out there that I put together. And then I would say, you know, there is help available. If you're a young person in the setting of the um, Anabaptists and you're LGBTQ, um, somewhere on the spectrum, lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, or queer, or any of the others out there, um, call the Trevor Project or reach out to one of us. My Facebook name is exactly how it appears there on the podcast. And um, I believe all three of us have uh, Facebook pages um, with our respective names on them. That, and then we also have a Plain Rainbows um, page as well. Uh, but, you know, you don't have to go through this journey alone. We're in 2023 and nobody should have to endure the things that I did. Feeling like an outsider, not only in your own family, but also in your church. And these were the people that were supposed to support you and they didn't. And one last thing, you're not broken if you can't fit into the very limited mold that the um, Anabaptists try to establish. And you're not broken because you don't get along with your dad and you are attracted to someone of the same sex. Wow. That is very powerful. Thank you, Anthony. It's very nicely said. Yes, thank you. Yes. We, we love deconstructing all these things. And the things that we find out are kind of amazing sometimes. But at the end of the day, your stories are all pretty similar and that we had mm -hmm. to leave something to start something new and get a new perspective. And um, yeah, we're here for it. 2023, baby. <laughs> Rock and roll. Yeah. Would you, James, would you like to share a message for anybody that may be in any of our respective communities? Um, Mary and I are looking forward to bringing you a third season of Plain Rainbows. And we have a lot of wonderful guests lined up. And we're going to hear a lot of different perspectives. And um, personally, I would say um, if you are in, a, in that environment now, if you are in the Amish or a conservative Mennonite environment um, and you're feeling trapped or stuck, um, just know that you can you can leave safely and there's resources available for you and you will have one big gay Amish family once you make it to the other side. Yeah. Oh, well, that's right. 
So I I couldn't say it any better than what Anthony and James said. Um, I'd just like to add to that a little bit as well. Like, I am super excited for season three of Plain Rainbows. I never dreamt that we would get to season three, but here we are, 2023, baby. We got this. Like James said, we got this. We're going to do it. We're going to continue recording the stories because you know what? We exist. We are humans and we exist. And anybody that's in any environment where they happen to be LGBTQ and, you know, they have adverse experiences. Like, you know, I want all of you to know that you deserve better than that. And I want all of you to know that to ask for love and compassion and respect from people in your family is not too much. You're not too much. You're just enough. And you're just right. And you get to live your life in ways that make sense to you. And sometimes we have to set boundaries to be able to do that. As Anthony was mentioning earlier when he was talking about reaching out to his dad and sharing openly with his dad, but also being open to understanding that maybe dad might not be in a space to receive that boundary in a way that allows them to connect safely because boundaries are established to to allow you to make meaningful connections with people and it protects both people, both you and the person you're setting a boundary with. My mic went out. Sorry, can y'all hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, anyways. Um, As far as that goes, sorry about that. As far as that goes, when we um, are able to set boundaries and when we're able to live our lives in a meaningful way, and when we understand that above all else, like all humans inherently are the same, whether we're LGBTQ, whether we're disabled, whether we're, we're not, like all of those things are just their labels. They're labels that help us find people that we can connect with in meaningful ways. And we deserve that in life. It gives life meaning. And y'all deserve to have meaningful lives. So welcome to season three of Plain Rainbows. And we look forward to seeing you on our next show. <laughs>